Dan, appreciate you. I'll uh, cash up you after church <laughs> for those kind words. Um, I also want to point out that he said he wanted to spare you from his preaching, so just his words. His words. <laughs> John Blake, remember that when it's your turn to preach. Um, all right. If you have your Bibles, if you would open with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. A couple of months ago, when we were putting together uh, this. Uh, schedule of when we're going to go through Ruth and when, when we're, we're looking through different passages. Uh, we came to the last uh, Sunday that I would preach and it just said one off, basically preach a verse that is near and, and dear to your heart. Um, and so I, I got to think thinking about um, really kind of where, where we've been. I got, got to thinking about uh, our walk through the book of Ruth. I got to thinking about where you guys were in your Advent series and looking through the mothers of Jesus. And I wanted to uh, take time today really to kind of put a bow on all that and, and look at what we see God doing through those studies kind of in a 30,000 foot look, right? I mentioned planes. I know you guys hovered. Andersons don't get PTSD on me, please. Just, it's just an analogy. Um, so... I wanted to kind of get a big picture look, and that led me uh, really to, to looking at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I'm going to read the, the verse, and we'll, we'll dig in. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So as... We think about all that God was doing in the life of the people of God in the book of Ruth. And we think about the way in the history of redemption that he worked through Tamar and Rahab and Mary and others. And as we think about 2019, maybe it was the best year you've had yet. Maybe you think like the meme that's been going around 2019 looked at you and said, but you, did you die, right? <laughs> like maybe it was the worst year you've ever had. However, as we end this year and we think about and reflect on where we want to go in the next year, things that are going to happen, things that we hope for, relief that we may be longing for, whatever the case may be, we want to come to this passage today and settle on things that we can know for sure. There's a lot of things we can't know for sure. There's a lot of things we, we won't know but there are some things that we can know for certain. And when we get to the passages like Romans 8.28, we see those things here. There's four things that I want us to see that we can know for sure. First, that he loves us. Next, that he works all things together. Third, that he does this for our good. And lastly, that he calls us according to to his purpose. He loves us. He works all things together. He does this for our good. And he calls us according to his purpose. First, let's look at he loves us. Now, you may be thinking, Gage, I don't know a lot about preaching, but I know a little bit about English. It says, for those that love God, so why is your first point? He loves us. Well, it's because without his love for us, there'd be no love for him. We see that in several passages, even in Romans, in the letter, earlier in chapter 5, Paul writes, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Verse 10, he's going to say, for while we were enemies. In verse 6, previously, he said, while we were still weak. Think about that. Weak, sinful, God-hating enemies. Outside of Christ, that's what we are. Weak, sinful, God-hating enemies. And yet it doesn't say that he crushes you. It says, while you were there, he loved you. And then John in his first epistle in chapter 4 says this. We love him because he first loved us. Our love for God is a direct reaction to God loving his enemies, knowing our weaknesses and dealing with our sin. Knowing you completely, he loved you anyway. Knowing you completely now, the good, the bad, the ugly, the shortcomings, the things that no one else knows, your thoughts, your motivations, all of it, he knows it and loves you anyway. Like the whole tagline to Central Hope of love and be loved, it hinges on the reality that you only do that if God loves you. Otherwise, you don't know how to do that. And so when this caveat, this, this set-apartness that for those who love God, the rest of this is true, all of that hinges on God loving you first. So the first thing we see in this passage that we can know for sure for those that have put their faith in Jesus is that God loves you. And that love is the foundation for the rest of the passage. It's God's love that sent Naomi to Moab. He sent her there because he loved her. It's God's love that sent her and her family to Moab because he loved Ruth. He redeemed their family because he loved Boaz and he loved Naomi and he loved Ruth. And here's the thing. No Ruth, no David, no David, no Jesus. He did all of those things that we sat here and studied for weeks on end and thought through how in the world could God justify sending them to this foreign land and facing 10 years of death and death and death and lead Naomi to want to be called Mara and be bitter and be broken and it, and it feel just like life often feels. How could he do all that? Because he loved her. Because he loved them. Because there was a, a purpose and a plan far exceeding our understanding and our comprehension and, and our even acceptance of circumstances weaving together his plan that culminates in his son, God was at work because no Ruth, no David, no David, no Jesus. This love is a love that's beyond comprehension. It's beyond our ability to understand its detail and its work. But also, this love is specific to his bride. Notice what it says, and for those who love God. Paul's talking about a very specific group of people here. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the church. This is a love specific to his bride. 
And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. This isn't true for everyone. God isn't working all things together for good for every single person. That's universalism. He's not making good to work out for you no matter what. That's prosperity gospel. Both of those things are lies. This is a specific love. God is at work for the good of the ones that he loves, the church. I love people. I love the church. I love my job. I love my coworkers. Like, seriously, I love my job. I love ministry, and I can't wait to be a pastor and maybe one day plant a church. I love shepherding people. I love discipling students. I love hanging out with, with folks. It's my jam. I get energy from it, right? I'm an, an, an Enneagram 3. Like, I, I am the dude that wants to hang out with people all the time. I love running theology on tap. But I love none of you fools the way I love Katie Lynn Jordan. At all. I love none of you the way that I already love Ayla Grace. It's just true. There are things I, I, would, I would do for you, but there are also limits. And there are things that I would only do for my bride and my child. It's different. It's unconditional. I would choose them over you. I would do things for them that I wouldn't do for anyone else. And where do you think we get that from? We only understand that in light of a triune God who loves us and loves that way. And it's that love that fuels his sovereign will. And that leads us to this next thing that we can know. And that's that he works all things together. God's completely sovereign. He is the only one with absolute authority. Complete control, absolute authority. That's what sovereignty means. We're finite. We're limited. He's infinite. He's not. We see things from a certain perspective, from a limited space and time, from our circumstances, from dimmed lenses. He is all-knowing and all-present. And here's the reality of the matter. When we get into these things and thinking about God working all things together, either he's sovereign or he's not, right? I, I wrestled with this personally when I was 19, 20, and my dad passed away. It was unexpected. I got a call in the middle of the night that he had gone into anaphylactic shock and now I was faced with the reality of having to decide what to do next. It was on me to make decisions. And I had to wrestle with this reality. That either God is in those moments when everything else is falling apart, who he says he is, or he's not. Either I believe this when things aren't going well, when things are shattering all around me, when things don't make any sense at all, or I don't. God's either sovereign or he's not. If there is a chance that there is something that could happen that could catch him off guard that he does not have control over, then he's not sovereign. And if that's true, then he's not worthy of our worship. But he is. He is sovereign. 
There's nothing that catches him off guard. There's nothing that catches him by surprise. Nothing affects his sovereignty. And because of that, he's worthy of our worship. And not only that, he demands it. And it's that sovereign control that is at work for those who love God. Think about this. The ruler of the universe is at work for you right now. Regardless of all the things that we can't control and the things that don't go the way we wish they would, you still have the creator who spoke the world into existence at work right now for you, believer. If you don't believe this, if you're not a Christian, I can't say that for you. That's not true. But for the believer, he's working all things together for your good. And it's in all things that we see as complete sovereignty. I took a missionary trip uh, as a senior in college to Thailand. And I remember we were walking through, and, it's, and we were in Bangkok, and it's super, super westernized city. There's a Starbucks, and there's a Nike store, and you know, we were really suffering for Jesus. And so I'm walking through, and then the uh, military walks by. And on the side of their pants, with the Thai military, it says property of the United States of America. Now, obviously, it probably means that, they, that the United States gave them some money to be able to fund certain things, weapons and uniforms and kind of help things go along. But in that moment, it communicates that this military belongs to the USA. And we think, yeah, USA, right? We're, we're proud. We're sovereign. We're a sovereign nation. And yet things happen to us as a country all the time that catch us by surprise, that we didn't expect, that we didn't know what was going to happen, and we have to wrestle with what to do. God's never surprised. He's never caught off guard. From the garden until now, God has been at work, working all things together to point us to the finished work of his son. Before the foundation of the world, God has been working all things together. And so as we wrestle with that reality that he loves us and he works all things together, it leads us to a series of questions. And it sure probably leads you to a series of questions. But Gage, what, what about sin? What about all the evil in the world? What about war? What about poverty? What about starvation? What about natural disasters? What about voting and politics and who's going to be president and his tweets? What about what happened this past year to me? Or what happened to me five years ago? Or what happened to me when I was five? And that leads us to the glorious statement of the third thing that we can know, that he loves us, that he works all things together, and he works all things together for our good. So it's important for us to define 
good here. This doesn't mean that sin or its effects are good. This doesn't mean that when evil occurs, God says, that's good. Doesn't mean if something happened to you that you haven't told anyone but has shaped and impacted your life for years that God was okay with it. But consider the context of the rest of the chapter that this verse is placed in. We see in the beginning of chapter 8 that God works our good to conquer sin and relieve us from condemnation. We see later on that God works to adopt us into his family and give us the spirit who bears witness on our behalf. We see that all the earth and creation groans because of the brokenness and everything. And sometimes things are so jacked up that we don't even know what to pray for. And yet the spirit says, I got it from here. Good is the condition of God working out for us all things for his glory. Sometimes he's working that good in spite of our circumstances. Sometimes he's working out that good through our situations. But we can know when we say God is working all things together for good, it's not condoning or dismissing evils or brokenness or sin caused by us or by others. It's saying that even in our darkest hour, we are not left alone. We're not abandoned orphans. We are children who know who our Father is. We are heirs who serve a king who is actively at work defeating all his and our enemies. That's why the rest of the chapter ends with statements like, if God is for us, who can be against us? And nothing will separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Go ahead and take a look at that list. Paul runs the gamut of everything you could possibly imagine. So, we can know that whatever happens in this next week, in this next year, in this next decade, that God's working all things together for our good. That good isn't how we define it. In fact, many times, we would have never chosen the circumstances we find ourselves in. But God is working all things together for our good. It doesn't guarantee that we'll understand it or that we'll really even be okay with it. I have no answers for you as to why there was a series of events in my life where my grandmother, then my granddad, then my dad, then my mom, then my stepdad all passed away consecutively. 
I have no explanation for that. I don't understand why the kid that we adopted set my house on fire. I have no answer for any of that. I don't have, well, I can explain and start working through the math. I don't know why. And maybe it's not for me to know. Consider what we learned from the book of Ruth, that all those things were happening and then the book ends with a pull-out view of four generations that God was doing something in the life of Naomi that was going to impact the history of redemption. God working all things together for our good doesn't mean we're always going to understand why. But it does mean that I can rest in the sovereign rule of God who loves me and who has not and will not abandon me and who is at work for my good. Let that sink in the next time we're reading the news, the next time we scroll through Facebook or Twitter or get caught up in all the crazy of this, that this next year is going to bring that will be enticed with all the things that we'll try to find our hope, identity, and security in other than Jesus Christ. None of those things are working all things together for your good. There is only one, and his name is Jesus. And it's in that reality that we find our identity in this last part. That he loves us, that he works all things together, that he does it for our good, and lastly, that he calls us according to his purpose. Effectual calling is what the theologians call it. Saving calling by a sovereign God, by the Spirit, and because of the finished work of Jesus. The church is a family knit together by the triune God. We are called not because of our good works or our status or our abilities or our strengths or who our parents were or any such thing that we would try to merit or put together of why we would call someone. We're simply called because he loves us. Remember what we said at the beginning, weak, sinful enemies. And he called you anyway. C.S. Lewis in his conversion talks about it like this. He said, I was the most angry and against convert in all of England. He said, I came to the Lord kicking and screaming. That may be your story. But it nevertheless doesn't mean that he has not called you according to his purpose. It's a calling that is foreknown and predestined. It's a calling that justifies us before a holy God. It's a calling that conforms us to the image of his son by his spirit and working in us day by day 
until we'll stand before him blameless and glorified. He works in us and he works purposely. It's not random. It's not by chance. It's not vindictive or distant. It's with purpose. And it's for our good. That God is working all things together. And he does this according to his purpose. See, there's a connection. His glory and our good are synonymous in the kingdom of God. Those things go together. It's what drove Joseph to know that despite what his brothers had done, he could say what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It's what drove Ruth to know that God was at work in generations beyond what could be seen. It's what drove Job to process things the way that he did. It's what drove David and Solomon and Esther and Rahab and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the disciples, even Paul, who had scars on his back from getting beat for the gospel to be able to say, God is working all things together for my good because I'm called according to his purpose. And it's that purpose, that same purpose, that's at work in every believer. We were, I shared this um, on social media, but we were cleaning out boxes. We were still trying to get moved into our rental. And you know those boxes that have been with you from like three moves and you and we finally got to those yesterday and I felt like an, an adult victory right <laughs> I took a lap um, and so we're going through these boxes and throwing away you know things that that at the time I'm sure I wanted to keep for some reason and now I'm like I don't even know what that is and so you're chunking it and you're looking and you start going through pictures and you're like wow I used to be a lot skinnier and so like you're going through this whole process and then I come across this card and I open it up, and it's from my grandmother. Now, she's been dead since I was a junior in high school. And in the note, she wrote about moving to Little Rock. And she was coming up here to be with my Aunt Lisa. She's been to several services, and you guys have met her. And she was going to be around her family, and uh, her breast cancer had come back, and so she needed help. And so she had just moved from West Memphis and gone to Little Rock. And she was writing back. She knew that her favorite grandson was salty about it. And so she writes this about how much she loves her apartment and how friendly everybody is because she was worried that, I, that she knew I was worried that they weren't going to be nice to her and I was angry about it and all that. And so... She's writing about how much she loves her apartment, how friendly everybody is, and how, how I need to come visit her soon, and please call her, right? Like typical grandma stuff. And then she says, pray for me, and I'll pray for you. And I try to remember Romans 8, 28. That's someone who understood that she was called by God according to his purpose, even with diagnosis of cancer. 
even in the midst of it coming back and being more aggressive and her knowing that there's a good possibility she was going to lose her life than she did. And she, she yet still could write Romans 8, 28. So we rest in this reality. We rest in the finished work of Jesus, knowing that even when we can't understand, even when we can't see, even when the life that we live is the opposite of what we would have wanted or chosen for ourselves, that God is at work, working all things together for good, for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. That's right. Father, I thank you for Central Hope. I pray your, your blessing over this church. Would you please send your spirit to equip the saints for the work of ministry in this next year? Would you please raise up all sorts of giftings to work the body together to advance the gospel so that the kingdom may be known among its people in this next year in Little Rock. Would you please be with Dan and Blake and John and the others that are helping lead the church in every capacity, whether it's watching kids or thinking through community groups or resources or membership or anything like that. Would you please remind them that you love them, that you work all things together, that you're doing it for our good and that you've called us to a purpose. And that purpose is to magnify the name of your son, Jesus. And it's his, his name we pray. Amen.